Hello mech fans and welcome to the Valhalla Club. Grab a fusionaire and join us as we talk Battletech and the latest happenings around the Colorado Battletech community. Hello everyone, thanks for joining us in the Valhalla Club. I'll be your bartender for the night. Uh, I am Mike the Viking and tonight we've got Bourbon. The Master of Spirits. Hello, hello. We've got Matt the Northman. Yo. And Caveman John. Hey, Unga Bunga. All right. Uh, so for today's episode, we will be covering the majority of an LVO Las Vegas Open recap from, uh, was it now a, a week, week and a half ago? Uh where four of us were able to make it. John was unfortunately not able to join us, but he was with us in spirit. Yep. Um, so let's get <laughs> let's get tonight started off with the pile of shame segment. Let's uh, start with here, Matt. Uh, Matt, what have you been working on? Yeah. So for LVO, I had to put together uh, my. Alpha Strike, my AS350 list. So that was like, let's see, 13 units. So painted those purple, the old Merrick Militia colors. So that was pretty fun. I enjoyed doing that. Also painted up a BTCC crew of Wolf's Dragoons. That was another six units. And then right before we left for LVO, or the weekend before we left for LVO, I was uh, part of a aerospace event. So that was, let's see, 16 of the little mini aerospace fighters that I did in uh, the Crucis Lancers uh, colors. So that was fun. So that was a whole bunch of painting all in, in like the space of a week and a half to get ready for everything because I always like to leave everything to the last minute. But it all worked out, and that was awesome. And now I have all those things done and can play with them forever. So that's what I got done. Hell yeah. Bourbon, what you doing? What what what'd you work on the last month? Uh... Kind of like Matt, I got my my LVO list finished up. Um, I've had the majority of it done prior to uh, January 1st, so I was able to get most of it kind of cleaned up, finished up, and now I'm in LVO recovery right now. So it's <laughs> resorting everything. and, and Drink water? Drinking water and Lots. mixed with bourbon and uh, a little bit of... <laughs> Uh, trying to figure out my next next list now. All right, Mister Caveman, what you been working on? I've been painting a lot, but after hearing Matt, I feel embarrassed. I'm like, dang, um, I lost the Ben, so I'm painting up a battalion of Davians. Yeah, Gross. yeah. So I've just been paint painting a lot of blue, and I ordered some decals from Fighting Piranhas. I hope they get in soon, and I've decided I'm going to be Avalon Sayers because uh, I don't know. Sounds cool. Yeah, so yeah. forty odd max got them base coated, uh, but now I'm waiting on shading and then highlights. So, say so the the weather was kind of prime this weekend. Uh, it's the Ooh. first weekend of February. Like, uh, did everybody get a lot of non airbrush priming done? It was quite the pun there, Mike. Way to go, man. Hey, yo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I actually didn't. I, I wanted to, but got caught up with kids. So didn't get any priming, but I've still got like 30 already primed just waiting to be put into units. So 
I've still got plenty to, to, to paint up. I think I've got two things to prime from LVO. Everything else is already... See, I don't have a pile of gray. I have a pile of white. It's, <laughs> it's pretty much all Racist. primed already. It's just waiting to be decided on. Yeah, That's fair. And then uh, I think... I think I took the the cake, uh, took the trophy for absolute <laughs> most last minute painting. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> it was for, awesome for LVO. Yeah. Uh, I know I shared a picture, and <laughs> so the the army put me in the field on no notice, uh, leading up to uh, right right before for LVO. Like I got out of the field on Wednesday and boarded my flight uh, Thursday morning. And painted 80%, if not more, percentage of my LVO list in the hotel room of the Rio. Uh, I brought my entire airbrush get up and it, basing material, everything. I, I painted the entire 350 list in the hotel room on that Thursday. Was, <laughs> that was probably the best intro we had with you no... Know, me, Matt, and Charles driving like twelve hours to get to LVO, and we walk into into the hotel room of Dave and Mike and Charles, <laughs> and Mike's over there like a madman, like he's got airbrush going, like a big paint booth set up, like there's shit everywhere. It was, it was, yeah, <laughs> I, just like, oh man, it's starting already. I, it's I, real, baby. I still don't know how you got through uh, security with like your base, your compressed. Uh, metallic bomb shaped device like in your bag just tell tsa it's a gun <laughs> yeah don't See, worry it's just a gun it was all in checked baggage so i didn't have to worry about it that's how i got the exacto knife in and everything else because it was all in checked oh, bags so oh. uh but yeah i painted the entire ovo list at the rio the day before the tournament um and that was that was my hobby progress for for the month of january Painting like a madman. Turned out great, uh, man. But yeah. No excuses. So normally would cover games played right after this, since LVO is going to be our, our recap bit for this episode. Um, we're not really going to cover games played, but I do want to give John an opportunity to cover his games played for, for January, um, since you were unfortunately not able to join us. What kind of, what kind of games did you get in, John? Um, well, uh, I helped Ben do some prep for the tournament. I think we did three rounds of Wolfnet 350 one Friday night. Yep. Um, so that was good. Just like, you know, uh, you know, I feel like anytime you have a new list, you want to get some practice in and kind of learn your ins and outs. And then when I was in Virginia for the holidays, I actually snuck out for a game of classic. It was my first game of classic. Um, so Thank you to the uh, Richmond Battletech group. Um, I got to see some <laughs> old faces from X-Wing days, actually. Uh, Chuck. So shout out to Chuck and uh, Jason Hansa, who's actually a, a Battletech uh, fiction writer. He's out there mm-hmm. at Battlegrounds in uh, Midlothian. So big shout out to those guys uh, for hosting me for my first game of Classic and getting me away from the in-laws for the day. That was appreciated. <laughs> So for your first game of Classic, well, what's your thoughts on Classic there, John? Um, it's pretty fun. Uh, I, movement is kind of a like uh, 
if, if for me it seems like movement's a big divider between like experienced and new gamers you know they just tossed me in a battle master and they're like there's playing jay falcon go blow him up and i was like all right cool i got this but there were other players so i saw like counting hexes to like get their tmm and i was like well it's too much so i think turning turning and moving both costing the same amount of mo- like movement points is is a real ball buster and like uh, i don't know that's that's the only thing that kind of hangs me up he slows down the game probably too much just trying to get that tmm tmm math yeah, that's, I think, where the majority of the analysis paralysis comes in for Classic is just measuring out eight different paths to the exact same hex to see where where you get the most TMM. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, I'm, I may be a little too ungabunga for that. So, But it, it's fun. Like, I like all the, the roles. Well, I mean, I like some of the roles. It's a little crazy. It's like, why do I have, you know, like two SRM6s? Why can't I just roll one SRM12, I guess? But I'm sure there's a reason for it, and I'm just being a caveman. So, um, Teach their oh, own. And, you and know? mechs take oh. a lot of damage in Classic. That was crazy. Oh, like, yeah. I'm yeah. not just getting like, oh, yeah. CT'd. Like, my Battlemaster was getting, like, sandpapered. Like, uh, they blew off my arm, but I was still standing, and I had, like, armor damage all over the place. And I was only internal on the right torso. So, that was, I like that. I, was, I do fighting. like that. Yeah, the, like, the mechs feel a lot hardier. And, um... There is like that tension, like because <laughs> you're like, oh man, I really hope don't hit that location, don't go internal, don't go internal, don't roll me <laughs> for a crit. So I, I like that. That was fun. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely, and that's I think I've said it a few times on here. Like I love the lore feel of classic because as I'm playing a game, it feels like I'm writing my own battle from a book. Um, and you definitely get that from the various locations and lost an arm here and you're praying for that one one pip of armor left not to get hit yeah uh, a lot of fun yeah all right well uh i guess let's just move on into uh the main metal here the lvo review uh we'll cover some you know our, our games played uh how, how your list performed what worked what didn't uh what what you might change uh, within your list, uh, the people we met, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, so, I mean, let's start it off with uh, with Matt here. Um, your LVO experience, Matt. How was it? It was a blast. I mean, I got I got whooped, but it was a blast anyway. <laughs> uh, let's see. I just better pull up my list right now so I don't I don't forget anything. But. Uh, I, I was playing Free Worlds League, uh, Civil War. I think I mentioned this on, on some of the other episodes, but I just kind of pulled this out of, out of the air because I hadn't really heard much of this combination in previous tournaments and events. So just decided to go with it. And the one rule that I had for myself was that because these are in Civil War era, they have access to a bunch of the clan stuff through the Innisfer Generalist, but... My one rule was that I had to have at least half and half Intersphere and Clan. So it kind of ended up being um, a, a fair number of Clan mechs, but then uh, a good number, well, all my all my vehicles and infantry were from the, the Intersphere side. So uh, I'll just run through it real quick. But I had a Gargoyle C, uh, a Nova Prime. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Mike. A Blackhawk Prime. That's right. Uh, a uh, Thor H and a Dragonfly H. Uh, then a Treb 5S, the Hermes 3S1, Spider 8M, 
my vehicles, I had a Shrek PPC carrier with those three beautiful PPCs, uh, the SRM carrier for a, a bit of a bit of high damage rolling, and then a, a heavy hover APC just to carry my infantry. And I had, so this is previous to the, the whole uh, infantry bump, but I had a heavy infantry, heavy urban, blah, 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 blah. One with the, the 220 that does two heat. And then I had a... They look like... Uh... ODST from Halo, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, they're all like, ooh, we were heavy infantry. Um, <laughs> and then I had an Achilles light battle armor because they can never get killed, basically. just realized you tricked me with the whole Nova Blackhawk thing, uh, and I don't appreciate that. Well, you know, I, I, was go- <laughs> I was just going down the inner sphere line, but then I thought, oh, no, Mike's on. I have to use the clan names. Fine. Well, yeah, you called it Nova first, and then you're like, "Oh no, for Mike the Black." Yeah, yeah, you, 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 you did it backwards, and you tricked me, and That's I don't right. appreciate that. <laughs> just for you, Mike. Just Mike's for you. not just a snob. <laughs> Can't even follow his own rules. Um, hey, look, true. man, I looked away for two seconds, got distracted. My bad. <laughs> squirrel, mm-hmm. squirrel. Um, yeah, so it was about half and half as far as in, there was a little bit more interspere in there, just because I had the the infantry and the vehicles and stuff, but. Um, well, let's, yeah, I'll I'll just run into my games real quick. Um, my first game I played against Chandler from the old, uh, on the origin of battle mech slash armored up. So that was a fun game. We played domination and my units happened to survive his shots. It was just, it was pretty much a matter of dice rolls, uh, where, um, I had some pretty fast units. I mean, I had my spider and my Hermes, which gets a which gets a four TMM on the the middle um, objective marker. So those had a pretty high TM, TMM, and then I had other stuff like flying everywhere and stuff. So had pretty high TMMs and had three. I'd already secured three of the four that I needed in the first round or in the first turn, and the second one, I thought he would kill my Hermes and a couple other things. Uh, just because he had quite a bit of firepower in the right places. Uh, but I managed to get out to the fourth uh, objective area with my Hermes, and he survived with one pip of structure left. So secured the fourth one, and so it was round two win. But it was kind of just luck on my part, uh, which ended up coming kind of karma-wise back around to bite me in the butt the whole rest of the weekend. So that was a good win against Chandler. Fun to play against Chandler. Nice dude. So first first time I met him, it was nice. So game two was Headhunter played against Phil, also from uh, Charlie Company. So shout out to Charlie Company because my first two games were against them. Um, we played yeah Headhunter. So he did kind of a tricky thing with with his uh, with his commanders for Headhunter. He made them his two little infantry, and then we happened to be playing on the map with the new buildings from the Alpha Strike box set. And he put his his little infantry, his commanders, back in the very back corners of the map, the two corners of the map, then placed a building in front of them so that the corners hit each side of the map. So basically, to get to his, his commanders, I had to go up and over them, which I, I did have one or two jumping mechs, but I'd have to go up and over, clearing the corner, and the whole time he was just using them as, as initiative sinks. So... 
Uh, it was a pretty pretty interesting tactic, and I hadn't really uh, seen that before. And, and afterwards, Phil actually sent out a thing saying, you know, it shouldn't be like this. There should be some space where you could get behind the building, which, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. But yeah, he he uh, he used the rules to his advantage and had a list really built for kind of having a, an initiative edge. But also, he had some really fast units as well. Um, now I'm trying to remember them what what he had. He had one monster tank. Pretty Desgra. <laughs> he had one uh, monster tank that did like seven seven zero, and I'm trying to remember. I'm not going to remember it, but. Yeah, so he had a big tank that that dealt a lot of damage, and then he also had his own Black Hawk to to really pump out some some damage with overheat as well. But Nova, uh, Nova, <laughs> Black Hawk. Um, so yeah, I only actually took four units on that that one, uh, trying to use some maneuverability and keeping all of my my damage kind of in a in a small constrained space to kind of knock out his units really quickly but he ended up blowing my nova off the board the very first round with some concentrated fire which was really bad for me and then uh i had my dragonfly and my thor uh as my commanders and they were jumping around doing okay but just overall he had a dash running around and stuff and just over time he kind of wheeled me down until i just had my dragonfly left and uh i i finally got back to one of his commanders and that just that turn fired a mist of course uh, at his commanders but uh it took me out so it was uh it was it was a rough game but only a sign of things to come so it's only going to get worse. Yeah, it only it only <laughs> kind of went downhill. Well, it, there, there's some up and down, but yeah. The third game was Bunkers, and I played against Tommy from the WNRP. So yeah, another another podcast wow. podcast battle. Um, and Tommy Tommy was really fun. Uh, I think we don't like hear enough of him on on their podcast. Which just sitting across the table from him was really awesome. He, he's a super nice guy. You know, fun to talk. He is with the silent. Sea Raven. He is the Silent Sea Raven, but in person you wouldn't know it because he's he's very very sociable and stuff like that. Tommy's good dude. Photobomb the hell out of us. <laughs> yeah, he he's got he's got the skills, the photobomb skills. Um, so we played bunkers for game three, and I set my I made a crucial mistake actually with the terrain game, and so I set up the terrain so that I I put my SRM carrier up on a hill in the back of my area. I didn't place the hill in between my two bunkers in the back. So I wasn't thinking about this, but essentially I wanted my SRM carrier to have line of sight for uh, uh, between both both bunkers if, if they got like close or anything. But what it ended up being is that he could drop his infantry off and be like, at one bunker, but then fire in through the door of the other bunker and destroy it at the same time. <clears throat> so Tommy didn't really go for kills or anything. He just went for the bunkers, which I mean is the name of the game. And it it kind of went down to the wire where I was kind of deleting his units each turn. But he destroyed one bunker with his infantry and then destroyed the other one shooting across to the other other bunker. Then I got two infantry in, so we're at this turn where I'm gonna my infantry are gonna blow up two of them, but then he only has two units left, and they in total they can do 
10 points of damage, and my last bunker has 10 points of damage left. So, yeah, I I tabled him as he beat me. So that was kind of discouraging because it was like exactly what, what uh, you know, there was only 10 points left, and he had exactly 10 points left. So it was a great game with Tommy, but, yeah, I kind of felt, felt dumb for missing the terrain thing there. Um, it is the game within the game. That's what they keep telling me. I don't know if I believe that, but I, I did get owned on it. So, <laughs> um, let's see. So he's a slight believer. Slight, slight. Happy, I'm not sure if I'm a happy believer, but uh, yes, it, it, <laughs> it is something um, that can be done. <clears throat> terrain agnostic. <laughs> <laughs> um, game four. Let's see, we played Hold the Line, and I played against Matt. Um, so Max's dad here in Colorado. And we had a really good game, and it was just kind of back and forth. And I managed to have my SRM carrier and my PPC carrier both back to kind of guard my three tokens. And then everything else went up and, and went after his tokens. And and my that game, my vehicles did a lot of work. So the, the SRM carrier and the PPC carrier just kind of hid behind a hill and just kind of kept things away from my tokens. And I was able to go out and... With the very last round, uh, get uh, all four or all four points from the three tokens in that game. Did you upgrade the skills on your vehicles? Yep, I sure did. So, the both the Shrek and the SRM carrier were just skill threes because it's only thirty and thirty-one points. So they're they're kind of a steal yeah. deal at, at at skill three. And and the SRM is a, a four four or five five damage profile. The SRM is a six six zero. Whoa. Yeah, it is. Yep. So a skill three six six zero is can't if you can keep them alive because it's only Gross. two armor three damage. Uh, they can they can delete units. So that's why I use them as kind of a defensive force. Uh, oh, so they only have five hit points. Yeah, they okay. only have five hit points. So you kind of you got to be careful with that SRM carrier. And then the Shrek is great because it's got three at long range. You know, three short medium and yeah. long so yeah I, I love shreks yeah they're and they've got armor to 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 take some hits so yeah and that was actually what i was trying to do is i if i was using the ppc care i would just put it somewhere where it's got line of sight for a lot of the field and then i would just hold down or at least i would try to hold down so when i was playing tommy that game i missed the hold down roll four times in a row so hey. all you have to That's roll brutal. is a seven to do it yeah and uh, every time I miss, so that was kind of stinky. But <clears throat> but they're great for uh, you know getting somewhere where they've got line of sight on on a large part of the field, and and then just letting them go. So they're great vehicles. Yeah. So I ended Little up billboxes. Yeah, exactly. You just put them somewhere, and they turn into a billbox. Um, so won the I won the hold the line match with Matt. It was great, great fun. I just yeah, my vehicle. I had the the defensive force to kind of keep them off my stuff. So. Then uh, game five, another podcast v podcast match against Mister. You just had them all. Yeah, I had yeah. four out of the five. Uh, I faced up with Mister. Gideon, Charles Gideon himself. So the lore master and yeah, that... Colorado scrub. <laughs> Colorado scrub. <laughs> uh, so that game, the old karma came back and bit me in the butt. So he he had some pretty hot dice, and he took out. Uh, both my SRM carrier and my Shrek in the first round, just right off the bat. Ouch. Yeah, so then I was facing his two Jess 2s, 
with his little C3 uh, vehicle driving around behind me with just three units left. So that was really, really a tough game because it, it was uh, we were playing King of the Hill. And so he had basically two quick little VTOLs bringing in two sets of battle armor and then the Jess 2s and a couple other units. And yeah, I just couldn't hit those. I couldn't immediately delete those uh, TMM four and five VTOLs and they were landing each turn on the King of the Hill. So there was pretty hard to uh, knock them out and get my own units out there. So anyways, it was, it didn't go well. He won, um, but it was kind of, kind of turned into a closer game at the end as I knocked out one of his Jess twos and took out, I got, well, I, I uh, immobilized one of his VTOLs. I took out both the battle armor but then he had a, a crab and he had the C3 going. And so eventually he just wasted me at the last. He, he he needed like one pip to destroy me. And it just happened that his last little unit got the one pip. So another round, I might have deleted a bunch of more of his stuff. And it may, may have had a chance. But he took all four points off of that. So it was a good game, though. Charles is always great. And that's actually the first time I've played Charles. So. It was fun. Uh, let's I think see. Charles might have played everybody from the podcast now. Has he played you yet, John? Giddy up, and I haven't played yet. Mm, okay. Giddy up, so, Giddy in. One to go. No. Yeah. I have to take him on with FedCon now. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think this is the first tournament I've been in that Charles and I didn't play each other. Yeah, I know. You you played quite a diverse crew there, Ben. But we'll get to that. We'll yeah. get to that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I guess. And, oh, well, we talking tra- what was that? While we're talking about Charles, I think he killed the most of any player. He did. He LBA, was. Right? Oh, what was? Yeah, his Charles is a serial. Killer. Yeah, serial killer. That's right. <laughs> serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Props with to him. a C, yeah. not not with an S. That's right. He he even went to the serial shop just to kill. You're welcome, Charles. <laughs> uh, as far as as far as how my uh, my list performed overall, I I took it as kind of a fun list. I mean, I did have some. Some things that I wanted the vehicles to do specifically and some uh, kind of scenario-wise what the infantry was was there for. Um, but I took it more because it was fun. I liked the unit, all the units that I had on my list. And um, two and three, I mean, I was kind of like kind of one pip away from winning another one and maybe just one turn away from, from at least being in another one. But uh, yeah, overall, had, had had a ton of fun with that. Um and we could talk more about the whole the whole LVO experience, but that, as far as my games and lists, that's what happened. Hell yeah, uh, Ben. Next man. Next. <laughs> um, my list going into LVO, uh, building my list out. I was trying to figure out. I knew I wanted to play Davian. Uh, I started off with Dark Age, played around with it a little bit, and finally moved into the Ill Clan era because I was like, eh, you know what? Let's represent the current timeline and and see what we can get into. So my list was an Ares Hera, a Sagittaire 10X, a Rifleman 8D, a Shadowhawk 5D, a Fireball 10D, uh, a squad of Infiltrator Mark II Battle Armor Magnetic, uh, Grenadier Battle Armor Heavy Flamers, two of those, two Cavalry Attack Helicopters, Infantry Variant, a Gabriel Gabriel Reconnaissance Hovercraft, I also brought Spec Ops Paratroopers MI6 Extraction Team Squad 
And I had a J27 Origins Transport with a gun trailer that was the Ultra AC variant. So, um, my list, I was trying to do a lot of different stuff with it. I knew I didn't want to mess with art- artillery going into this because I'm, I'm just not that big of a fan of playing with artillery. I think there's a lot of, a lot of cheap ass points there. Um, and if you got artillery in your list, come at me, bro. A boom, <laughs> <Yeah>. boom. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's one of those things is I think it's just a, a gimmicky thing that, that, you know, I think a lot of folks rely on and it does work for a lot of the fast units and stuff, but it's just not for me. That's just my, my opinion. Well, also um, wasn't, didn't you have a change, uh, after the practice was it the practice I, event no it was the we did that event in december where yep. i had a typhoon rack variant and a Jess one uh missile carrier that I, I just wasn't real keen on they're very the the typhoon rack was very davian-esque but the the Jess one wasn't wasn't doing it for me and so but then, i but then you faced a dual i faced a dual aries and i was like <laughs> you know what, I don't know if I can do the duel, but let me try one out and see how it goes, you know. Um, And I just wanted to paint one up because I thought it would be cool. Um, So that was my list going into LVO. A lot of the stuff, um, my list performed pretty well, I think. Um, I ended up three and two out of the whole thing. I lost my first match and my last match, and I won the three in the middle. But the, everything was pretty close, and there was a lot of competition at LVO, um, especially starting off day day one, game one. I get paired up with Mario. So, and Mario and I, I think Mario and I faced each other in my first ever tournament in round one, and he just destroyed me. And I'd been playing Alpstrike for like maybe a month. I didn't know what I was doing. I still don't know what I'm doing, but, you know, I'm having a lot more fun not knowing what I know. Uh, so me and Mario got paired up, and, of course, it started with, you know, shots, and then we started playing. So uh, I think the sh- the shot we took was hitting me around the time when I lost the game. So it kind of it kind of played out <laughs> the way it should have, I guess. Um, it was good. It was a domination game um, for domination. I ended up bringing in Sagittaire, the Rifleman, the Fireball, both the Cavalries, the Gabriel, and then the Gun Trailer and the J27. And I used the Gun Trailer mainly as a as a rear defensive mechanism for those two domination points on my end. Um, I mean, it throws three at short and three at medium and it just sits there, you know? So I just parked it in the middle and it had range to both the pips. If he, or both the oats, if he tried to get into them, that was my theory at least. Um, and then using the cavalries as harassers and the fireball to go take oats. And then the Sagittarius is just some, some to focus fire on. And it, it actually worked out pretty decently against Mario. Um, where the game got decided was the very last round when he had moved on to, he had had control of two oats and he had moved on to my two back oats. And I had the distance to jump the Sagittarius onto the oat and contest it. But instead I went for the kill on the vehicle, his opponent that he was running against me and I failed to kill it and he won the game. 
So Ouch. I think that was the lowest, the lowest point MOV spread too. Cause I think like he killed like 31 points of mine. And I think I killed like 26 of his or 42 of his, something like that. It was, it was very low. Like we still had most of our units on the board at the end of the game. So it was kind of a, it was a weird, like drinking with the enemy, Benjamin. I know, right? That's what happened. Fraternizing. Man. I was Gosh. fraternizing, trying to have a good time. And, uh, it it just didn't work out well. And I mean, Mario's a top tier player. I mean, he's been playing this stuff for a long time and he's been winning a lot of tournaments and stuff. So yeah, he only ended um, up winning the whole thing. So right. I mean, right. You know, I mean, it was, it was a, it was a good matchup. I'm not having it, <laughs> but I think I, I definitely uh, showed him that I have definitely improved since our first meeting. <laughs> so, so that was, uh, that was the first round of domination. Um, the next round, I ended up playing a guy named Patrick, who was from Seattle, and he was brand new to the Alpha Strike scene. He picked up the Alpha Strike box like two weeks prior to LVO. Um, oh, props so, to you, Patrick. That's that's really cool. yeah, that's fantastic. And, and I appreciate the dedication. Everything painted up, and and you know we really had a really fun game because it was a lot of I think a lot of back and forth. Um, where he was trying to figure out things and, you know, I just kind of worked him, you know, I didn't work him over, but, uh, and I didn't really take it easy on him either. So, um, we had a good, good game of headhunter. Uh, I ran against, uh, he had a good mix of heavy and assault mechs. There was a King Crab, an Atlas, a Stalker, a Warhammer, and a Blackjack against my Ares, a Sagittaire, a Fireball, and my Shadowhawk. So um, I think he ended up, um, I think he killed the Ares, because he kind of focused on the Ares the whole entire time. Well, that should be an award right it. there. Yeah, I, th- I think he killed it, or he had it down to like one or two pips of, of structure left, and that was it. I mean, it was hurting. Um, but I ended up dropping one of his commanders... Yeah, I think I only won that by one objective point, one to zero on that one. So, but it was a good game, and uh, Patrick was a good good sport, and you know he's he's really interested in learning about the game and stuff. So it was it was a fun game. Um, Thanks, man. Props to Patrick. Yeah, I yeah, definitely. Newbies coming out for tournaments. Absolutely, and and he was he was really he was asking a lot of good questions, and and he's he's got a good good set of tactics skills on him. So he's going to be a, a a fun competitor in the future. Um, my third game was bunkers. I ended up playing Max's dad, Matt, um, which from the way he, from the way he says it, um, he, he's only been playing for about a month. Um, Max built his list for him. So it was a pretty formidable list. Um, and we had a good, good, uh, good game. You know, he, he asked a lot of good questions too. Um, I think by, Turn three, um, I was able to knock off one of his bunkers and get into the second one. And he was getting into my first one, I think it was. Or it came down to like it was like two to one at the end. Um, but it was it was a hard-fought game. Um, There's a lot of, like he had a lot of infantry on the board. Um, he had a little Urban Beck launching arrow four artillery the whole time until I started taking some of my, my cavalries over there and messing with it a little bit. Um, and it was about even on the margin of victory for that one. And then the fourth game, I played hold the line with Max. 
Um, Max, for those of you in the Springs that know Max, is a very tactical game, especially when he likes to bring his annihilator out and sit it on top of a of a hill that has clear fields of fire for the whole board. Yeah, I saw a lot of just pictures. The of whole that, board, yeah. <laughs> just sit there, and uh, it was a it was a good game. Um, I managed to. Uh, take down both of his hell mechs and then I snaked one of his tokens on hold the line uh with the fireball and that came down to like a one to zero score. So it was uh it was a pretty pretty intense game. It went all the way de- down to the wire. And uh, I think I took the token on the last turn. Um he just his taking out his hells kinda hurt him a little bit because he didn't have the fast movers to get behind me and stuff. So that kinda helped me out on that one. And then the fifth game I played was King of the Hill, and that was against Metal Ed from Wolfnet, Charlie Company, Cider Company. Go team. Uh, this was a rough game for me because um, Ed had a lot of stuff he put on the board. I think he had about 11 or 12 units. I mean, I know that he was he put a charger out there and a rifleman, two SRM carriers, some Savannah Masters with some battle armor attached to him. I mean, it was it was cats and dogs living together. It was mass hysteria. Uh, <laughs> he he made it to the circle in the first turn and snaked a point. And, and I only had like, I had my Sagittaire, my Rifleman, my Shadowhawk, and the Fireball. And like, I think that was it. And uh, I just, I didn't want to run the Fireball out there the first turn because he would have gotten, gotten shot at by both SRM carriers and a bunch of other shit that I was like, no, let's keep him alive for a little bit longer. So I let him have the point, and then it just started going downhill from there because I just couldn't keep up at that point. So lesson learned there, just take the, take the point when you can and, and, and see if you let luck decide. So And Ed ended up in the top five, I think, right? Yeah, he did. I think he was like fourth or fifth, maybe. So another high, very competitive competitor. Yeah, I think if if I had to change anything on my list, I probably would have dumped the Aries out again. I, it just I didn't use it enough in the scenarios that I really didn't need it, mm-hmm. and I could have used the Typhoon or the or the Jess One for something else, you know. So I would have changed that for sure. And then my my list took a little hit with the mole update. Um, I think I ended up being fourteen points. Over, I was at like 364 mm. with the mole update after LVO, so that scraps all those ideas. But <laughs> I think it was it was cool because I I wanted to try out the whole cavalry grenadier combo, and that that turned out to be a really good good combo to use. I wanted to try a pair drop with the MI6 spec ops guys at least once, just because I thought that'd be fun, and. I just love a Sagittarius and a Fireball combo. So you do like your Sagittarius. I do like my Sagittarius. <laughs> <clears throat> so that was the nice, that was my five games. Right on, uh, uh, Mike. Mike, how about you, buddy? So for LVO, I brought uh, some Dark Age Killhounds. Uh, let's see, with a Savage Wolf B, Ice Ferret J. Thanks, Charles. A Pouncer G. A Rifleman 7N2, Wolfhound 6S, uh, Cardinal Transport VTOL, which looks dope, by the way, uh, 
also it's huge. It doesn't fit in any of the foam trays I've got. Yeah, that cardinal <laughs> is massive. It's huge. It's heavy, but it looks dope, man. Um, also painted the day before. Uh, Saxon APC, a Kukulane support armor, and one shot of OBA, the 9PV version. Uh, so game one, domination, same as everyone else. Uh, played against Luke Rolfs. He was sporting a Rosselhog Dominion Army. I think there was quite a few Rosselhog Dominion Armies out there for that event. Um, domination being a game of speed, uh, he had his two Fire Moths out in the field. Uh, pretty Ooh. sure it was the yep, dual Fire Moths. Um, pretty sure it was the P and the H version. Um, yep. I killed one of his Fire Moths on turn one and damaged the other, which means I just did one shot to it. Um, and I was never able to knock out that second fire moth and that's what did me in. Um, I just could never keep up with it. You, when you get facing a dual fire moth list, you got to get them both on turn one or you're screwed. Yep. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, the game did go to time, so it wasn't necessarily, you know, an easy game. Uh, but he did get all four objectives. Um, but yeah, well fought game. Let's see. Game two, Headhunter. Uh, my opponent was Max, also from here in Colorado Springs. Uh, same as everyone else. Uh, the game was rough, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, good player. Yeah, Max is solid. Um, he, with his new signature deployment, <laughs> like Ben <laughs> mentioned, uh, and uh, Andrew was very, a big fan of sharing it, what, twice to uh the facebook, facebook page yeah. Yeah. yeah um deploying the annihilator on top of a of a hill we were on the moon map um placed his annihilator on top of level two uh level two hill um and yeah it just had the whole site Um he came to that fight with 10 units um and i came with four <laughs> for for headhunter uh, so I was already severely outnumbered. Uh, the Annihilator on the hill shooting nine ten nine, the Timberwolf W shooting like seven seven something, uh, and a King Crab uh, on the field was I I just couldn't keep up with with it. Uh, he did a great job. Was super sneaky. Uh, uh, similar to somewhat of uh, what Matt dealt with. He had one of his. So the Annihilator was a commander. And he made uh, like this little like J twenty seven pickup truck, uh, a commander. He had, for for the terrain for our table. He had kind of like a U shaped hill, and he put it right up in his deployment zone and kept the truck inside the U shape. Uh, so I was never able to see it. <laughs> Which hey, good on you. Use the rules to your favor. It's a tournament. Do what you can to win. Uh, so I respect that. Uh, but definitely did make it hard. Um, yeah, I, I eventually dropped after a lot of work, eventually dropped the Timberwolf W and I put a lot of damage on the annihilator, but I mean, it, it wasn't enough. The war of attrition got me out. I, I, I was at a disadvantage from the get go just off numbers. Uh, Cause most of my stuff was a bit more expensive. He had a lot of uh, cheap trucks and cheap uh, infantry to zoom around sync initiative um, and try and get in the in the back. I think he made one or two anti mech attempts, but failed both of them. Uh, but yeah, 
uh, he he won the day for headhunter because I just I just couldn't couldn't hack it. Numbers were definitely in his favor. Uh, game three, Bunkers played Paolo. Uh, Paolo, super good player, um, super fun to play against. Uh, he was my vote for best painted. Um, his ghost bears were absolutely beautiful. Uh, so shout out to you, Paolo, on that one. Um, he, if I'm not mistaken, is a relatively newer player, at least to, to Alpha Strike. Um, but he's a guy that's just full of joy and is a lot of fun to play with. Um, again, Bunkers being a game of speed and infantry, he also had a, a dual fire moths um, with some battle armor on there. Um, again, I was able to kill one on turn one, but not the second one. And, and so he was able to get infantry down to uh, my the my Bunkers real fast. Um, he had He had one in there by turn two. Um, uh, he killed two of my bunkers. I killed one of his, and then he did five points of damage to my third bunker, ultimately earning him, uh, the three objective points. Um, and I got one out of that one. Super good game. Uh, let's see. Game four, hold the line against Topa. Um, let's see. It was my only win of the event. And he made me work for it. Uh, for Hold the Line, I brought my Ice Ferret, J, Wolfhound Success, Pouncer G, Saxon APC, and Kuka Lanes. Uh, Topo was, so he hopped into the event to even it out. Um, he was originally, uh, from my understanding, there to run the uh, BTCC. Uh, when we had uneven numbers show up for the Alpha Strike tournament, he hopped in to make sure no one had a buy. So good on you, Topa. Um, no one likes a buy, um, especially when we've gotten accurate amount, like a good amount of time allotted for lunch, uh, which we did, which was appreciated. Uh, but so he was running a list. I think that was put together by either Ange. No, it was by Bloodbath, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it was a lore fluffy list. Um, so his hold the line list was an executioner, a warhawk, a timberwolf, a summoner, and he severely outmasked me because I was running lights and mediums <laughs> and that's it. And he parked the timberwolf, warhawk and executioner on the hold aligned, uh, objective templates, which is what you probably should do when you've got that much mass as versus not a lot of mass. Uh, so good call, sir. Um, but there was, so we were on a Mars map and there was a lot of line of sight blocking terrain. Uh, so my rear guard, which was, um, the, uh, wolfhound and the, uh, pouncer. They, they were my rear guard playing defense. Uh, he moved his summoner up and those two were slowly working them down. And because of the terrain, for the majority of the time, I was able to block line of sight to his rear guard uh, to protect him. Because for this list, uh, for the headhunter, hold, hold the line. For the hold the line team, I had no long range value. It was all short and medium. So I definitely had to block 
line of sight to his rear guard because he had all the long range. Uh, but I was able to get his summoner out. Um, the ice ferret Kukulain worked up my left side of the board, um, dropped the executioner, um, and then the and then they scored the template. Then the rear guard started moving up uh, because the ice ferret was out in the open versus very heavy rear guard. It dropped pretty quick. I was able to score an anti mech attack on the executioner in the process. And then we just slowly worked down the line through the Warhawk, then the Timberwolf. Uh, it was one of my probably favoritest like moments. Uh, so the Saxon APC, after it had deployed, you know, the infantry, and it does zero star in short, and that's it. Um, what it was immobilized one inch away from the center objective template, which is worth two points. Um, it was immobilized an inch away, so it couldn't get to it. <laughs> um, but <laughs> just one inch. Yeah, one like one <laughs> inch away. I think I shared the photo in a couple places, but oh, it's man. literally immobilized via motive hit an inch away from the template by the Temple Wolf after I had dropped the Warhawk, and I I just it was just reaching for the template and couldn't do shit about it. <laughs> quite get there. Yeah, it it was hilarious. Like I said, it was probably like my favorite funny moment from the entire tournament. Um, I ended up winning uh, four to zero on that one. Um, and it came down to his Timberwolf versus my Wolfhound. Uh, they both mech survived the last round after I scored the template. Super solid game. Like I said, he made me work for it. Um, let's see. Game five, King of the Hill, Mr. Bradley Prophet from the Florida crew. Um, and this is for you, uh, Brad. Uh, if you ain't Cav, you ain't shit, right? Um, there it is. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, King of the Hill, similar to how mine and Ben's game was for, uh, I think it was Copo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just mad rush to the center and just an all out death brawl on the center template. Um, so, I like to play King of the Hill the way it was intended to be. Um, and that is just exactly that mad dash murder fest. Um, and that's what we did. So cheers to you, Brad. Uh, for this one, I brought my Savage Wolf, Ice Ferret, and Pouncer. My three three units, right? Um, a heavy and was that two, two mediums? <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Bradley brought a mad dog with artillery, a fire moth and some battle armor. Uh, I think it was, uh, uh, salamanders, uh, a Nova and a Turquina. The Turquina was a skill six, which is how he was able to fit it in, which I wasn't expecting. Cause I just saw the Turquina and was like, oh shit. Oh, here we uh, go. <laughs> and then it was a skill six and it missed a lot. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> uh, but it was still a fairly even game and it came down to the exact, like the last dice roll. Um, I scored my only headshot of the entire event on his Nova. Uh, and he was talking about before we even started that his guys, his dice were just ice cold all day. So at the end of the game, since I knew there was a pair of dice that was capable of rolling 12s, since it scored the headshot I gave, and it was the Valhalla club oh, dice. Yeah. I gave nice. Oh no! I gave I gave the twelves Valhalla Club dice to him at the end of the game. Uh, I think I think he earned them. 
But um, oh, okay. For a second, I thought he was going to roll a twelve <laughs> against you on your own dice. Yeah, I, no, like, oh, no, I gave it to him after the game. You know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> uh, but it was a picture perfect King of the Hill finale, mutually assured destruction. Uh, we tabled each other on the exact last shot. His uh, sap, or his Mad Dog versus my Savage Wolf. Um, he won the game for objectives uh, because I I couldn't compete with the Turkina's mass for a couple rounds. Uh, it was a great game overall. Um, this was the second game where I had a list with OBA, and I remembered to shoot it this time because I think it was game two. Uh, I had OBA in my list, and because the OBA card was on the back of my laminated sheet, I forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> and it might have, like, if had I remembered on game two, it might have changed something. Uh, oh, you never know. Actually, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, plus it's... Uh, Plus it's me shield, you know, but, um, so I remembered the OBA for game five, but it was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, so that was my, uh, I ended up at the pretty close to the bottom, but, um, I mean, I didn't, I didn't come to win. I came to have fun, meet people. And that's a hundred percent what I did. Uh, It was a great time overall, but, uh, that was my first like big time OVO or not specific, like first big time uh, 350 tournament experience outside of Colorado with the actual WNRP crew. Um, 10 out of 10 would do again in a heartbeat. I felt the same way. I'm sorry you had to face four dashers in one day. I mean, even I'd be like, cool. Yeah. It was a lot of dashers, man. Um, Which is a solid tactic. Um, I didn't bring, I didn't bring any plasma. I didn't bring uh, any dashers. I, th- no. I didn't bring any field medics. Like uh, I did take the lesson learned from our practice game uh, on the December 10th event. Because remember, I had three high PV units uh, for that yeah. list. And yeah, I, I, did, I did drop generous. it down. Yeah, I did drop it down to two to where it was just the Mad Cat, uh, Savage Wolf B, uh, and the Ice Ferret J. Because in my original list, I had a very expensive um, Mad Dog as well. So I dropped that one. And that's where I put in the Cardinal. Because the Cardinal was nice because it shoots 1-2-1. One, one. So there were, there were times where I used it as a regular unit, not even a transport. Because it, could sh- it had decent medium range value for TMM3 plus one for being airborne. So... Yeah, but yeah, those those are my games played. Um, obviously, didn't work that great. Uh, I didn't get to practice with it at all because um, I made those changes, uh, ordered the parts, and then went to the field on no notice. Um, but uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun. Everyone I met was great. Um, the night before, uh, having how many people did we have in? Uh, was that Topa's room? Whose room? Uh, whoever's yeah, room that was. Room. Yeah, we had about 20, 20 people in there, I think. Yeah. It was, uh, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, uh, guys. <laughs> I don't know, I don't worry about that part. It was a Roman orgy. Don't worry about that. <laughs> not when you've got how many, like, what, 12 podcasters in one I room? Know, I know. <laughs> Ain't was, nothing staying there. Yeah. All of us there with yeah. Papa Andrew. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Come around my knee and listen. We need to chat. Have a serious talk, uh, man. We're fucking drinking. We ain't got time for that shit. We that had fun. we had all the podcasts in one room 
with the exception of, or at least all the podcasts represented in one room with the exception of Mech Bay, that, yeah. at least at that time, uh, that I'm aware mm. of. Throw down um, the gauntlet. Josh. Yeah. Um, well, I think, I think Andrew or Aaron. His coach. His coach. Coach texted him uh, while we were there and was like, hey, we got a quorum. We're making changes. <laughs> yeah, he put that in the, in the Mech Bay Discord while we were there. <laughs> a meeting of the families. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's where I like that that night, the night before, that's where I got to meet like coach for the first time, Andrew for the first time. It was a lot of fun. All super nice people. Um that's uh where I first met Metal Ed, uh Sean Goolsby. Uh I definitely like I'm still still perplexed when uh both uh Metal Ed and Mr. Goolsby came up and were like, Hey, can you sign my Alpha Strike book? I'm like, but me? <laughs> I'm a nobody, dude. Like, it, like I, I don't know what to do here. Like, where, where do I sign? How do I do this? I don't know. Um, it was, it was really cool. Um, still, still perplexed by it, but I, I appreciate you guys thinking I'm, I'm cool enough to sign your book. You know, <laughs> well, I was like, we were going around the room introducing ourselves, and and it came to me, and I was like, hey, I'm Bourbon, and like Chandler sits up, he's like, you're Bourbon? Oh my god, I thought you'd be older. <laughs> <laughs> like sorry. just my knees and back. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Just my knees and back, bro. Yeah. Been carrying this podcast for so long. Oh, damn! Damn. <laughs> no, I'm just. Kidding. Uh, John's got jokes. But on that note, no, I, I, I had to pick on John. On that note, I think you know that we did. You know, just all the social time and just being around everybody that that we've kind of like gotten to know, but not in person. It was it was just a lot of fun. I I really enjoyed the kind of the social aspect as well as the gaming but but really when you like have a chance after like five straight games of alpha strike and you sit back and relax and just kind of like just chat you, know, you really get to know the people a lot more and and uh and it was really enjoyable i i really enjoyed meeting all the people and that that's kind of i you know I, I don't know about you guys but i i would recommend people one of these big cons uh, a chance and especially lvo being in las vegas you know if, if the colorado crew if any of you guys out there are wondering if it's worth it i i would say give it a go at least once and and uh and see what it's like it's we had a blast i i know ben and i had a really good time um you know i'll let ben speak for himself but i had a really good time uh even even with uh ben and i and gideon like driving 26 hours and in, in four days so that was interesting but uh but being there was it was a blast and you kind of like i mean we were inundated with 40k guys you know that's the big thing there but uh there was still a, a really good uh really nice battletech community lots of people coming over and and saying hi you know oh this is battletech you know i used to play this and this is so awesome that you guys are here and, and lots of other stuff so as far as the social aspect it was you great know- and that's fun. You bring that up, Matt. Cool. Well, first of all, that was your first convention, right? Yeah, it's my first uh, first convention ever, like, really. Big, yeah. Okay. All right. Mike, what about you? Yeah, it was also my, my first convention. Um, so I got into Battletech, I think, at this point, almost two-ish years ago. Um, With the height of COVID when no yeah. engines. <laughs> I mean, I, I was, I guess, I was into it as a kid and didn't realize it with the Dark Age clicks. Um but then, you know, high school and life, this, that, and the other. Uh, so, but like actually really like deep dive into it, hence being on a podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, that was my first actual convention. Uh, it was super awesome. It was a great experience. And like just, um, 
to like the first time Charles gave us a shout out on WNRP long, long time back, like a year ago at this point for really jumpstarting the, the Colorado scene. Um, and like, I paused it and like, not that my wife gives a shit at all. Uh, but I'm like, listen, this dude that's been doing on this podcast for like two years, like just like a fanboy moment, you know, like this dude, like, mentioned me by name uh like freaking out oh my god and then but like being able to meet all these people that i've been listening to over the past year and a half two years again fanboy moment like uh you know it was super cool everyone was super awesome the community remains being great uh and a very healthy very respectful community um and that's 100 percent what i love about it like i said i didn't go to win I went to meet everyone and have a good time. And that is 110% what happened. And I wouldn't, I would absolutely do it again. As for, so I would go into Matt's point, would absolutely recommend going to a big con. Um, I didn't drive, I flew. Uh, I flew round trip on Frontier for 50 bucks round trip. Um, and that's, like that was just taking me back to the prices I was used to for flying Ryanair or when I was stationed in Europe. Um, the flights were nice. Um, don't expect to have a reclining seat cause it's frontier, but you know, it's a two hour flight. Um, so who cares? You know, uh, the savings is what mattered. Um, but yeah, so whether you're flying or driving, however you get there, definitely try to get, if you haven't been to one yet, get to a big convention, you got a Dexcon coming up. And then Gen Con, it's all going to be great. Um, highly recommend. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Like, I think the first night we were there, Matt, we were walking out of the hotel room and, like, we just happened to go in the same way as a bunch of 40K guys. Mm-hmm. And, like, they started asking me, like, hey, what what are you playing? Are you playing Kill Team? Are you playing what? I'm like, man, I don't know what any of those words mean, <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm just here to play some Battletech, dude. He's like, oh, you're here to play Battletech? That's so awesome. Dude, you guys got some awesome looking miniatures coming out. I'm like, yeah, man. I was like, you guys should uh, jump on the bandwagon here. <laughs> yeah, switch on over. Yeah, there was. It, it yeah, was great to yeah. like, you know, there was. It was all positive. I, I as far as like, you know, meeting yeah. all the people and just just a general interest in the game was uh, fantastic. Yeah, it was, I, I said totally. that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> He's catching on. I'm starting a trend. <laughs> no, it's. Uh, I, I think it was really cool. Um, the you know, 40K gets a lot of bad rap for its community, I guess. And I, just from what I understand, I've never played a game of 40K, so I have no freaking idea. But everybody I met at LVO that was playing 40K was either, you know, really chilled out or, you know, paid us no mind. So, you know, it wasn't like we were getting harassed or anything like that. So, um, getting, but it was cool. bullied by the 40K nerds. Yeah, <laughs> pulling up with all their their giant miniatures and stuff. Whatever all, that is, like four thousand of them. That, that there were so many guys oh. there. It was crazy. I tell you what, taking away some of their ideas, though, man, that little cart that they a lot of them have those little collapsible carts to move all their minis around and stuff on. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. You know, I liked it. Me trying to pack everything in a backpack and then carry a case of minis and stuff. I was like. You guys might be doing this for a while, so I'm going to take some tips from you guys. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I thought it was I was pretty cool. You know, this is not my first rodeo on the convention scene, and you know, linking up with a lot of guys, I was really impressed with um, the amount of players that came from Colorado that were kind of the first time at the big events. You know, I mean, seeing uh, 
you know, uh, Max and his dad, that was kind of a cool dad moment there. That was, that was kind of a neat little, little trip I thought. And, uh, just talking with Max and his dad after Friday night, after we were eating dinner and stuff was, was really cool. Um, seeing a lot of the folks, yeah. you know, way to show up Colorado. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. I think we had I mean, 10 players you, get down to yeah. Vegas. You look at the list of 30 players and 10 of them are from Colorado and, like you know, seven, six of them are from the Colorado Springs area. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah. So we had let's yep. see, we had Damien, we had Josh, David, Mike, um, Alex, and ourselves, uh, Matt and Bourbon, yep. um, and then Max and Matt. So yeah, a yep. good crew from Colorado. Yeah, that was that was fantastic to see those guys come out there. It was a great day, a lot of fun. Uh, then the next day, so. Saturday, uh, we did some uh, some live play testing for uh, for Coach there uh, with some Alpha Strike doubles um, doubles tournament where it was te- teams of two and hence doubles uh, with each team had or each player had the full three fifty on the board so fourteen hundred PV on the table uh, it was twice the size map and it was running. Um, well, at least the first game. I was there for the first one. Um, but it was, uh, let's see, where is it at? Headhunter. Yeah, two scenarios plus Headhunter was, was every. Yeah, two, two scenarios. Yep. Uh, so for that one, um, so for that day, I was only able to play, able to play one game because I flew out that afternoon. Uh, so I was only able to play one. I was teamed up with Patrick, and we played Paolo and Sam. Uh, let's see. So for that one, so doubles was a lot of fun. It's a little difficult tracking objective points when you've got three objective or like three scenarios going on at once. Uh, but it wasn't too terribly difficult as always. I'm a big fan of large PV games for round one. It was headhunter domination and King of the Hill. And I placed our King of the Hill template on the top of a level two Hill, which makes it a certified death zone. Uh, cause no matter where you are, you can see that hill, and a lot, a lot of metal died on it because Sam and Paolo were kind of like moving up like one assault at a time, and it would just get focus fire by five, six medium heavy assaults in the process, and just instantaneously drop. <laughs> Brutal. So, yeah, so the joke was like, you know, at least three he- three assaults and one heavy were killed defending like trying to take that King of the Hill template effectively making it a level three Hill just because so much <laughs> died on it. The dead bodies. <laughs> yeah. It was like that, uh, that moment. And, um, was it our hour of the wolf with the, uh, the Jade Falcons versus the, um, old guard. Yeah. Versus, versus the yeah. old guard where they, they just circled up and there's just a wall of death. Yeah. And, and that's what it turned into. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, so that was the only doubles game, uh, I was able to participate in. Uh, what about uh, Matt Ben? How was the rest of your doubles day? I'll, I'll let Ben go because he played doubles. I played the BTCC, but I'll let Ben go first. Yeah, so we, me and David got paired up uh, as we were walking down the hall. Was that random? That was complete. Coach came up. He's like, hey, what's your team name? We're like, what? For what? He's like, oh, for the doubles game. I was like, oh, yeah. Wait, do you want me and Dave paired up? He's like, yeah, you guys, you guys just pair up. I'm like, okay, are you sure about this? And he's like, yeah, because <laughs> you know Dave's got two Aries in, in his list, and I've got an Aries in mine. So, yeah, it'll be fine. Learning right. is a data point. Yeah, it was a data point. So, uh, 
so Dave and I got paired up um, with our with our lists and uh, having three Aries in the list. We just we had a team name of Triple A because um, we'll we'll come and uh, fix your broken down vehicle if you need it. And uh, so we got paired up. Uh, the first game we played against the Gunsburg Eagles team. I can't remember the two guys that were on that team, but um, <laughs> that was the game where. David managed to get an Aries onto the King of the Hill oat. Achievement <laughs> <Survive>. unlocked. <laughs> uh, called it the Truffle Shuffle the whole way there, you know. <laughs> so it was it was pretty interesting um, playing in doubles because you know it's it's trying to meld your tactics with your teammate now that you've already got a specific set of tactics for your for your three fifty or your 200 point stuff. And you know what that can do, but you don't know what your teammate can do. So it's, I think it was a a very interesting game. Um, I can't remember what the points were on that or anything like that, but I I know we ended up winning not by a whole lot, but um, we went to time. And I think domination, we had three, Domination points, I think. Well, four because of the king of the once once he got his Aries into the, into the king of the hills. Oh, so, um, but it was a good game. Um, it was trying to figure out like how to do the movement, how to do because I mean the movement was what took the longest until in the first game at least till we figured out. Hey, you know what? Let's just group them up, and that's what we started doing in the first game. Was we just started grouping them up in like little teams of four. So when it came up to move, you just move four of your units, and that made the team the the movement phase go a little bit a little bit faster. Um, game two, we played the spicy noobs, which was Sam and Paolo, uh, which was which was a great game. Um, Headhunter capture the flag and hold the line. Um, that was the game where up until that point, Dave and I had a kind of a, a good back and forth of how to deploy his artillery and where we were going to do stuff and. Dave, uh, I'm going to talk some shit now because I, I deserve it. I deserve the shit talking after what happened. Um, Dave took it upon himself to decide where his artillery was going to strike, and he put it on one of the captures to the flag points that had two of his, two of Paolo's dashers, two of his elemental points, one of my Gabriels, one of my cavalry helicopters that had landed oh and deployed gosh. my grenadiers. And heartless. he missed the artillery drop, and it shifted two inches onto my units. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> he, he killed the artillery, or he killed the Gabriel right outright, um, and he completely stripped the armor on the cavalry that Paolo was able to finish off that turn, oh, and man. then he killed off the Grenadiers that Friendly turn. fire. And I was, I was <laughs> like, close, bro. What are we doing here? How big was the smile on Paolo's face when it in, when it just drifted two inches away from him and towards you? Like, <laughs> oh, was, he was just like, "Oh, thank God it missed me. Oh, it missed you. It hit you. Oh, that's too bad." <laughs> you know, oh, darn. It, it was fantastic. It was good. Uh, so that was that was a rough one, but I ended up uh, hunting his dashers down that were denuded a little bit and uh, able to able to wipe them off the board and re-make the flag point because Paolo ended up grabbing the flag and he was rushing it back to his his home base on his side and I ended up hunting him down with a fireball 
and killing the dasher that or no it was infantry it was infantry yeah he had two squads of elemental carrying the flag back to his back to his home base so i had to i had to hunt him down and uh and uh make that flag point nobody grabbed it i don't think because we just made it a kill zone but and then what else was in there hold the line um dave was able to get over on his side of the board to get some of the points for hold the line and yeah that was game two i mean sam and paula were were really fun players to play against um sam is really tactical she comes from another another gaming system um she's kind of new to the alpha strike scene or the battle tech scene i think do you know what game she plays or i don't remember i think it might have been 40k maybe Okay. But uh, but she was really good tactically and and learning the learning the intricacies of you know the Nimex and the battle armor and stuff like that. She was very good at asking questions about stuff. So it was it was a really good game um, amongst the four of us. Cool. And then game three, game three was against Max and Matt's Max and Matt, um, which was Headhunter, Overrun, and Bunkers, and that the father son team. Yeah, that was the Iron Wolves. Uh, kudos to you guys. I mean, that was, that was a rough game. Um, and we were fighting it out for, I think first place and Max and Matt ended up taking first place and dropped us down like three or four spots somewhere. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it was a tough game because Max and Matt, they overloaded one side of the board with all their units pretty much. And Dave and I had kind of spread out. And so they just started rolling up Dave's side, and they ended up dropping his Aries, I think, and doing a lot of damage. And I was trying to hold down the the fort on the bunker side, which uh, was was fun uh, playing Max's side of uh, bunkers with his little fast guys and his flying elementals and stuff that he had or flying battle armor. Fun is so. in not fun. Um, it was, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I, it depends on the player. Sometimes the tactics I'll use. And yeah, there's things that I did in that game that I'm like, I don't normally do this, but I'm going to do it because you're already doing it to me <laughs> kind of thing. You know, like he had had a hit, like a flatbed truck parked in, the front of one of his little bunker spots so i had to kill the truck just to get into the uh-huh. bunker and so he was flying his his uh battle armor over on my side of the board and i'm like all right i see what you're doing over there i'm gonna park my sagittaire here now get through that <laughs> with your battle armor. so um kind of kind of became a standoff on my side of the board and i was trying to help dave out on his side and it, it was a close game i think um but it ended up going the wind going to uh, Max and Matt. So uh, I think the doubles was was interesting, but it's a lot of freaking points, man. That's a lot. It's seven hundred points on a side, and there's a lot of moving parts that you got to get into. So I think the feedback, yeah, it did take a while. I mean, and and we were with I think on average we were only getting through like three turns, maybe. Uh, what was it? Two hour block? Yeah, something like that, right? Something like that. Yeah. So the doubles game was interesting, um, and I think the feedback was we drop it down to, like, you only use 250 points or 300 points of your 350. So Yeah, I think the current consensus on the uh, WolfNet Discord was something around 550, maybe 500 or 550. Yeah, yeah 500 or 550 would, would work, too. Um, and it makes you think a little bit, too, prior to each game. 
um, um, based off of the scenarios and based off of the objectives and stuff. So I think it's it's got potential, but it definitely needs a lot more tweaking on uh, on that side of of running it. So, yeah, I mean that makes sense though. It's 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 a new concept uh, that that they're testing out, and um, I think it's cool that we were able to in in mass test it out live because for guinea pigs. For, yeah, because they've yeah, been testing yeah. it out one on one. Well, I guess two on two, amongst mm-hmm. themselves. Uh, so, which, you know that that small group, you use the same general tactics and play style. So being able to bring it to an event like this, where there's a much wider and larger variation of tactics and play right. style and unit right. selection, uh, you can get way more data points. So I hope Coach got a lot of good information from it. And I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah. I think it's something we could, we could try and run here in Colorado too. I think that might be, be worthwhile. Um, yeah. We've, I've, I think Colorado crew's done a good job, uh, providing a lot of data points for mm-hmm. the WNRP crew. Uh, <laughs> I think, uh, we were the, the, the leading charge, uh, for Charles and his arguments to lock or, to bring 350 down to faction era. Oh yeah. And yeah. To the point to where now even the Adepticon event is era locked. Right. Um, right. And I think, I Gen think Colorado be era locked too. Yeah. I think, I think the says, cause that's what Colorado gang's been doing the whole time. I think we were a, a large driving effort in those data points in Charles's favor. Cause that's what he wanted all along. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so. so here's to you, Charles. Cheers. Yeah, yeah. sure. So that was kind of the doubles tournament recap, I think. Is there anything else on that? I think that's about it because I was one round and you were the rest of them. Yeah, and I know Dave probably has some stuff, but we can talk about that with Dave next episode when he comes yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, Matt, you were the only one to participate in the BTCC. Yep. Um how was that, my guy? Yeah, so the Battletech Championship Circuit, uh, they've, well, I only know of one other place that they've done this at, at Nova in uh, Northern Virginia, but uh, it's, a, it's a classic Battletech uh, competitive rule set, and uh, it's, it's kind of an interesting collection of rules, and it's kind of in flux, as I understand it at this point. Um there's the developers kind of aren't um, uh, what sh- how can I say they're not actively helping out kind of with the rule set and, and developing it anymore and so it's kind of it's kind of fallen to other people to kind of take up the mantle and, and go with it but uh, we we had uh, I'm not sure exactly how many players were there but it, I, it was between 16 and 18 so it was a good showing for classic Battletech and and there was actually very very little crossover uh, myself and Jesty uh, a player from California were the only ones that played in the Alpha Strike tournament and then played in the BTCC so it was kind of a, a totally different crew that came in and I'm, I'm not sure if they were playing other you know other games throughout the the uh, con but but it was it was kind of cool to to meet some new people. Um, I took a Wolf's Dragoons list. So basically, the in the BTCC for for LVO, you could only take units that had record sheets um, produced from the Kickstarter in Wave One, Wave Two, or the Wolf's Dragoons box. So it was kind of an interesting mix of units. Is basically for like all the clans, it was just the Prime and then the A variant. For 
the intersphere units it was mostly like a, a early or, or like a succession wars variant and then a clan invasion era variant so kind of an interesting mix i had what i take i took an axeman one in uh, i had a dragonfly a viper you know whatever you want to call it a dragonfly uh prime uh i had a let's see now i'm just going off of my off of my memory here i had no ryan k appreciate you trying to keep the peace man yeah, yeah. um I, I had i actually took an elemental group because wolf dragoons have that in their list and then I had a uh, a treb, uh, a trebuchet. I, I really like trebuchets, and this was just the the uh, the normal two LRM fifteens, three medium lasers deal. Um, so that's what I took. I really didn't have, you know, I really didn't think I was going to win the thing, but I was going to try it out just to try something uh, with on the classic BattleTech side. So they have a some interesting scenarios too. Some of the some of the mechanics of the scenarios are a little bit I, I think could use some some development uh, and work on them. But the the first round that I played was against Nolan, who is is kind of a a newer player. Has only played really against you know people in his family. He's from Utah. Really really good nice kid. I think he's like seventeen or something. But uh, props to no- Nolan for coming out to the event and and playing. We played a breakthrough scenario where. Basically, whoever rolled as the attacker just needed to break through and get his get at least uh, three units onto the opposing player's home edge, and so it and the opposing player had to basically destroy destroy my stuff to get points. And so with with my list, I could easily get three three units across. Oh, I also had a Koshi, so that was the, that was my sixth unit. So I get the Koshi, and then the elementals riding the dragonfly across pretty easily so it was kind of like the the roll of the the first dice kind of made one side easier or harder uh it's definitely harder for the defender um like you were saying uh john you know in classic you can get units to survive for quite a for for quite a number of turns even under relatively high fire or hard fire um oh, yeah. that one was kind of an easier game but it was really fun to play with nolan because i was uh he's kind of a, a newer player or less experienced and so we were we were kind of you know, talking back and forth and working through some of the rules and stuff. So that was nice because I I just don't play classic Battletech enough. I I, li- I like it, but I just don't play it enough to always be invested in the rules. Um, my second game was against Jesty, who I mentioned before. And Jesty's, a, you know, I just want to props out to Jesty. Super cool guy. Uh, if you get to play against Jesty at any time, I, I highly recommend it. He's on Mega Mech a lot. And then uh, some other, you know, playing in play in, in in uh in person really nice guy um we played king of the hill and um king of the hill in classic was it was interesting you had to basically get around this little building and like the hexes two two hexes away from the building is the hill and uh i ended up winning the the role i think and then i just placed it like on top of an actual hill there and so it made it kind of uh, kind of funky. There were like, you know, level threes next to level zeros and all sorts of stuff going on. And uh, Justy had a much better list than I did. He he brought uh, I think two elemental squads and then a couple of really good really good units. And uh, he uh, well the the constant among all my games except for my first round was that the Axeman, once it took any damage 
it blew up. And so <laughs> he he was the first to to get the lucky shot. He uh I think he put 20 damage on it and so they were all skill 3 4, so he just needed a 4 for his or a 5 for his PSR. Of course, rolled like a 2. He falls on his back. There happens to be an elemental squad in the same hex. They do like a, a crit somewhere, and of course the crit goes through and blows up my AC twenty ammo. So there goes the axeman from fresh to gone in one round. Uh, yeah, which which was one of my heavies, and and, and just everything kind of went down. I mean, it was it was a good game. It kind of went back and forth, but from from then on, once the axeman went down, it kind of went downhill, uh, and he ended up winning the the game by points. Uh, but really, yeah, it was a fun game. But it was it was a harbinger of doom, kind of, because the next round, uh, round three, uh, or game three, I played against Steven from Edmonton, I think, and he was he was awfully obviously a very well versed uh, classic BattleTech player. He he knew all the tables, knew all the numbers quite quickly, so he was a much better player than me. Um, but all of his shots seemed to hit me, and they were taking things out again, and there. You know, first time that the Axeman gets hit, headshot, boom, gone. So uh, he was going, he was, uh, we we were playing okay, but it was a scenario where you had to go up and to actually get the points, you had to sit still for two turns next to, next to a building. And that that's one thing that, is, especially in like a one map zone area in Classic, it's like standing still is, is death. Um, so... I wasn't really keen on that, but he started picking off my units quite quickly. But what happened to him is he, I would hit back a little bit, and then he would completely miss his PSRs. And so he was fall every round. One of his units was falling down, and they were always landing on their head or whatever. So the only reason that it was a close game is because of this comedy of errors, where he would essentially kill himself and then kill me. And so this, this, yeah, I was like, I'm not even really doing anything in this game. You're kind of playing both sides <laughs> here. Um, so it, in the end, it, it was kind of a frustrating game for me. Um, but uh, I think Steven had fun. He, he, he won in the end. It kind of came down to like, oh, can we keep, should we keep playing this? You're obviously going to win. Or can we just call it a night? So we called it a night. He, he took the win for that. But it was interesting. Uh Came back on Sunday morning for round four. You know, it was scheduled for five rounds, but they cut it to four official rounds uh, because there were some some difficulties with uh, the uh, people in charge. They, Topa came in and kind of took charge for Saturday, but he had to leave Sunday early, and so someone else had to step in. So anyways, uh, round four, I played Terrence, who's uh, kind of local from the Las Vegas area. Really nice guy um played it played he had a pretty strong list and again same thing happened to my axeman first first time he gets hit there goes the head so yeah i don't know what it was with the axeman but uh i think that one of the difficulties playing terrence's list is that he had an actual uh dire wolf widow maker out there and it was it only missed one shot the entire game so it was hitting with Two large pulses, two ERPPCs, and an ultra AC twenty every round. Uh, That's rough. That was man. not fun to face. <laughs> so once he got uh, the buildings that we were playing against, it was kind of a similar scenario where you had to sit still, two turns next to a building. 
when he finally got that Widowmaker up and he had uh, three sets of elementals running around with it. And so uh, the elementals would hold the point and then the Widowmaker would just go around and it was one turn for an Axeman, a fresh Axeman, two turns for an Orion K, and Orion K has tons, tons of, of uh, armor. But yeah, one turn for a Dragonfly, one turn for a Koshi. So it, it was just... It was pretty crazy. I, w- I was outmatched by the Widowmaker just hitting everything. So I uh, lost that one as well. So went at, went one and three for the BTCC, but thought it was, uh, it was an interesting rule set. I think it, it does need, definitely needs some work, but it was interesting to have a competitive classic Battletech kind of scene there, uh, which which I thought was, was really cool. I, I like the kind of the outlook of it. Um, and it sounds like it's going to be at Adepticon, maybe in a different fashion. Um, but I'd like to see it like worked on, massaged quite a bit, you know, kind of better the the uh, scenarios and stuff. But yeah, I, I had I had fun. Went there with my Wolstergoons list to have fun, and I had fun. So overall, it was okay. Nice man. Hell yeah, yeah. I I don't want to like take away from your experience, but uh, that is definitely like a bugbear of mine. Like. Just when I see it, is an objective in Battletech that requires a unit to be stationary for a turn. And it's like, it doesn't matter if it's Alpha Strike or Classic. It's just like, that that's a death sentence in Battletech. You know what I mean? Yeah, speed is life, or movement is life in Battletech. And especially, I think, for lighter yeah. units in, uh, when I'm facing, like, Pulse Lasers and, and ERPPCs and heavy... Targeting computers. Yeah, I mean it's already pretty low. So uh, if I can't get my TMM at all, then lighter units are just you know they're just if you can see them <laughs> they're they're pretty much gone. But uh, it, it it was a difficult one, yeah. But yeah, it was good. Have you seen any of the uh, conversation? So post uh, a- after LVO ended, uh, Coach started a uh, a BTCC classic discussion channel in the. Uh, WNRP Discord server um, which Topa is in and he's been taking a lot of notes and a lot of feedback. I don't know if you've been uh, privy to that, seen that at all, or made your comments known. I I haven't made my comments known, but I think uh, they've been echoed by other people. I know Jesty's been on there quite a bit, and then Brad uh, so Jesty, Brad, and I are all registered on the MRC and have played games against each other and and i think brad won the whole btcc there at lvo really good player really knowledgeable you know strong opponent definitely takes lists that he knows and he, he knows all the units so i i've seen him commenting on that on that thread there and i think you know coach is trying to help it <laughs> be better and i think some people are like oh Let's just go with something new and kind of kind of throw these away. But I think a lot of people want to want to save what we've got so far and kind of work on bettering it. So I'm I'm interested to see where it goes. Um, a lot of the comments deal with the scenarios and with the um, what units are accessible, available for selection. Um, so I know a lot of people have commented on that, and, and hopefully you know something can get worked out that makes sense. And is also fun. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, it's a, this is already a, a built and established rule set. In some, in most cases, it's easier to refine an established rule set versus build an entirely new exactly. one. Exactly. So, any other LVO 
uh, recap moments from anything else we caught up? I will say that uh, some of the... Actually, it sounds crazy, but the 26 hours in the car with uh, with Bourbon and, and Charles was actually quite fun. We uh, we came up with some awesome ideas for the future of Battletech here and beyond, as well as some very interesting questions that <laughs> ben, ben can relate, I think. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a good time coming up with those, especially as we were getting tired driving. Yeah. Um, you know, just the... the random questions of you know favorite mech that you like that everybody else hates kind of stuff you know that was always that always kind of got your mind working taking it off the oh god we got we got three more hours to go yeah and it was just fun to just kind of nerd out and be and that's that's part of like why i really enjoyed lvo's because you had the opportunity to even though like everyone's very different but you all have the opportunity to kind of nerd out together and so it was just super fun especially for like 26 hours stuck in a car you're you, you share this passion for this one, you know, this game, but the game, because it's Battletech, has this enormous universe behind it. And that was, it was just so fun to like explore with, with uh, two other guys. So fun. Well, I definitely hope you started filling out the episode roadmap. <laughs> well, we will. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I agree. It was definitely fun and interesting to go from. Uh, the southernmost edge of the field in Fort Carson to, you know, the strip and (laughs) (laughs) slash the paint and minis in a hotel room in Vegas, not even 24 hours later, you know, (laughs) like that was, that was an experience. Um, Definitely recommend going to a big, big convention. I will not be able to attend Adepticon uh, personally. But I will try and go to Gen Con for this year. Um, I don't know. Uh, what's the rest of the big cons look like for you guys this year? In, in yay or nays or maybes? Yeah, I, after going to LVO, uh, I, I won't be able to make it to Adepticon for sure. But Gen Con became more of a possibility. As in, I had such a good time. And Ben talked talked to me about how Gen Con will be a really good time too. That uh, it's becoming more of a maybe. So we'll see. We'll see. Nice. Yeah, Adepticon's out for me. I just got too much stuff going on at work, but I've already bought my ticket for Gen Con. <laughs> so well, you don't want to do another road trip, Ben? Come on. No. Well, I, I bought my ticket for Gen Con, and and I'm from Indianapolis originally, yeah. so I'm going to go and visit family and you know it's always my excuse to come home oh by the way i'm going to this convention so (laughs) (laughs) i can't hang out too long too fur yep yep so um, john do you think you're gonna be able to get to to one of them this year you know i I, i'm a big gamer but i've never been a con guy um so gotta gotta go um, at least you'd have a good time man yeah we'll see see if you guys can talk me into it if we can get everyone to gen con because obviously adepticon's out yeah, because that's in a month and a half. Yeah, uh, but if we could get everyone at Gen Con, I'm hoping I'd be able to go to Gen Con. Like my unit's going to NTC this year, and I shouldn't be in California in the middle of the burning desert. That's horrible. Yeah, I dude, 2020 was an absolute mess. Yeah, at NTC, um, it was horrible. Yeah, uh, we we broke every heat cat record and medevac record <laughs> while we were there. 
It was yeah, bad, we, bad. We started those records when I was there in like 99. <laughs> but it gets hotter every year, bro. It does. It's, it was miserable <laughs> then. So I'm but, sure it's um, even worse now. So I would, I, I really want to try and get to Gen Con. Um, Adepticon, I don't think we can get or are having really anyone get to that one. I think Max is trying to get to that one. Um, but for yeah, the I think majority. Max and Dad are going out. Yeah, that's what they were talking about. Yeah, because he said Adepticon he was waitlisted. Uh, X-wing World Championship too. Oh yeah, this year. Yeah. So, see, I'm gonna take your word on on that because I don't know shit about any other game. <laughs> the, the other big ones are Origins too that a lot of folks go to, which is in Ohio in like September, I think. I, I've never been, but I've heard it's Origins is more like board games. It might be, but I know BattleTech has a presence there. Because I know usually Fan Pro or CGL was there, you know, the last couple of years at least. Giving some ancient history here, Ben. I know. So we all know that Adepticon's big for G- uh, CGO because that's where they are launching the next Kickstarter, which is on the 26th of March. Unfortunately, none of us are able to attend. Or 23rd. 23rd through the 26th of March. So that's a Thursday through a Sunday. So we, Max is probably the, Max and his dad are probably the only ones that I know of going. Uh, but locally at least, so in their last like monthly update, they announced they're, they're trying to put on these, what is it, launch, launch parties? Yep. So vendors are able to reach out to CGL and essentially apply to host a launch party, um, which would get them uh, all kinds of like launch goodies and they'll live stream between Adepticon and the uh, the store that's hosting. It's kind of like a regional thing. Uh, but our very own local uh, Gamers Haven here in Colorado Springs has applied to be a launch party host. And that is super freaking exciting. See, secretly, my my goal for growing the Denver community is just to make it bigger than the Colorado Springs community. Let's be honest; you're not far off. Yeah. Like the 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 Northern Colorado crew, Denver and Noco, are are almost. If I think they're about equal with the Colorado Springs. Well, strong crew. man. Um, yeah. yeah, but so far, all I know of is uh gamers haven has applied i don't know if any other store has and it's very well like it's very possible jeremy uh inconceivable um castle rock he could have easily applied and i just don't know but i was at gamers haven today uh i talked to del ray and she told us like yep uh we applied to be a launch party store and they're just waiting to hear back from catalyst on it uh, which is fair. It was just announced, but at the same time, it's a month and a half away. So I hope to hear back soon, <laughs> especially because uh, if you're an accepted launch party host, like they're supposed to send a lot of things to you and all this, that, and the other, and coordinate this whole like live stream between regional store and the actual event at AdeptCon. But I'm excited for that. that. Sounds cool. Yeah. See how it comes together. <laughs> Yeah. Catalyst, um, if you're listening, get on that shit. Yeah. See, because that weekend, I'm supposed to be doing some national park traveling, but 
uh, we don't leave till like Friday. So if I can get one to two hours at the launch party on Thursday, that would be clutch. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so yeah, that's uh, super cool news from the Colorado Springs area, or at least, in, I mean, literally just in general, Colorado area, having a store apply for a launch party to coincide with the Kickstarter launch. I think that's pretty freaking cool. Moving on, uh, let's go on to uh, the uh, brew of the month with bourbon. Hey all, this is Ben here, your Battletech Master of Spirits. Get your mixers, liquors, shakers, stirs, and strainers ready as we cover this month's Battletech Drink of the Month. All right, the uh, welcome to the Brew of the Month. Um, in honor of the winner of the Las Vegas Open, which was Clans Hell's Horses, they took number one and number two spots, I believe. Uh, Ghouls being Mario. No, number two was uh, was Alex. Well done with uh, with uh, Draconis. Oh, that's right. That's right. Alex was number two. Yeah, that's right. So, well, number one at least gets it. So, uh, this month's Brew of the Month is the Clan ERPPC, and uh, We've talked about the PPC in general over the last couple episodes um, and how horribly disgusting it is. This is no better. It's four parts grain alcohol, one part vodka, and one part club soda. And that's Come it. Come on. Burn. <laughs> hey, man. It's it's making me angry. It is. Why does everything have to be bad? Dude, that's one of those one of those drinks that, you know, Makes you want to take your shirt off and get in a mosh pit or something. It's it's pretty angry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, similar to the clan of your PVC. So, um, what I is tried the clan it. large pulse then? Just a sledgehammer to your head? <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. They they just yeah. fashion a shiv and, and stab yeah. you with it a couple <laughs> it's times. Your eye socket. <laughs> yeah. Here's this knife. It's gonna be your eye. Like, so ah. for for these recipes, when it says <laughs> yeah. like grain alcohol, are you just assuming that to be like white lightning? Yeah, yeah. Or ever, they they mentioned Everclear. Oh, so <laughs> worse. I'm 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 staying away from <laughs> I'm staying away from Everclear. And I'm just I, using I think Moonshine's at least a little bit better than Everclear. Like shit. Yeah, I mean it's Everclear. I just got like, nail polish remover. Yeah, so. you might as well just go with you know gasoline or something at some point. So like that, so, that's a standard clan ERPPC, I mean, right? Like, what could you? Yeah, what, what do you yeah. think you could add to it to make it more specific to clan Hell's horses? Ooh, that's fire. so maybe some uh, okay. maybe some fireball. Fire. Yeah, maybe, that makes maybe a little fireball to it, or uh, make it a little spicy. You know, garnish it um, with a clump maybe, of horsehair, or give it some rum. Oh, uh, but what kind of rum though? Like, oh, I like rum. I don't know. Uh, well, they'd be cracking. I man. would say 151, but they stopped. They stopped Maybe making 151 a couple years back, which I'm still sad about. By the way, shame on you, Bacardi. <laughs> Go get your Mad Dog 2020 <laughs> out. <laughs> I think uh, no. I think Fireball is uh, probably the best additive for for making it like a more Clan Hell's Horse specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you could you could you could swap out that club soda with with the with the Fireball. That might. Uh, Give it a little well, now you're just going to die. I think you need taste. the club soda to say <laughs> something that's not alcohol. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's just you add one ounce maybe of Fireball in addition to everything else. Because if you take away the club soda, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're yeah. just going to die. 
Yeah, that's, we're that's, here to have a good time, not, not to a be long here time. For a long time, okay? Yeah, yeah. It's it's rough. It's rough. So I mean, as always, I mean, you could make it better by just taking apart the moonshine and just the vodka and the club soda and putting, you know, add bourbon, six parts of bourbon. Hey. Man. <laughs> that's it. That's it. So that concludes your brew of the month. Woo. Matt, I love that you end every brew of the the month with woo. (laughs) (laughs) You got to give him the props. (laughs) I don't drink it, but it sounds like any man that's brave enough to go go in on one of these things, you know, it's it's rotten teeth or whatever. It doesn't matter, but bourbon's got it. That's why I was telling him. I was like, you know, once we go through this OG list of drinks, then we need to go through it again, but change it and actually make them good. We're going to revisit all and, and update them and upgrade them. It's like the red guy. These originally, so I'm wondering. Man, who knows? It's, it's, like, it's yeah. on Reddit, dude. It's it's one of the things that you know some some dude sitting in his basement that oh, does okay. drink was like, hey, let's make My this. Hero. All right, so next or, would be oh, go ahead. Yeah, some yeah. I was I was gonna say some of it's probably just you know just stuff from the novels that they've kind of described. Yeah, but not really fleshed out. All right, for our new segment, we're going to go into our S2 Intel Brief, which focuses on specific units throughout the uh, throughout the universe. Uh, so, Ben, as the Intel Briefing individual. Token. Token lore master. Yeah. All right, there we go. I'm the guy that made the PowerPoint. Slide one, please. <laughs> All right. So, uh, this uh, S2 Brief is about the Aridani Light Horse. The Aridani Light Horse uh, was formed in 2702 as the third regimental combat team of the SLDF. Their makeup consisted of four total regiments, two Light Horse regiments, and two Striker regiments. They were stationed in the Draconis Combine for most of their early years. In 2749, the commander of the third RCT was assassinated by the Prince of Rasselhaeg. Rasselhaeg, however you say it, I don't know. Um, the third RCT immediately occupied all the major cities when the prince sent troops to the city of Eridani in or on Trondheim, the world of Trondheim. The third RCT easily repelled the attackers. A reporter observing the action reported that the third had scattered the prince's forces like a spirited Eridani stallion chasing after fat Luthien cows. From then on, the appellation struck. The unit saw extensive action in the periphery and took part in the hegemony campaign, culminating with the invasion of Terra. At one point during the campaign, the 19th Striker Regiment was betrayed from within and destroyed by Amorous troops on Talitha, leaving the 3rd RCT with two Light Horse Regiments and one Striker Regiment. After the fall of the Usurper, the 3rd RCT was requested by General Kerensky to accompany the remnants of the SLDF on the exodus from the Inner Sphere. For several days, the unit deliberated, coming to the conclusion that the Light Horse Regiments would remain in the Inner Sphere and do what they could to uphold the ideals of the Star League while providing protection for the civilians in the wars to come. Their road to becoming a mercenary unit was slow and didn't become fully realized until after the start of the First Succession War when they officially became mercenaries in the employ of the Free Worlds League. 
Thus, the Aerodendi Light Horse Mercenary Regiments were born, consisting of three regiments, the 71st Light Horse Regiment, the White Horse, the 151st Light Horse Regiment, the Dark Horse, and the 21st Striker Regiment, Four Horsemen. Throughout the remaining Secession Wars, the Aerodendi Light Horse, or ELH, was an example of integrity and honor in the mercenary trade, helping to stem the slow slide to depravity in the inner sphere, leading by example and hoping the rest would follow. The ELH was under contract to the Federated Commonwealth when Corinthians Exodus returned in 3049. It became a crisis of faith for the unit, ultimately deciding that they would do what they believed best for the denizens of the inner sphere, even if that meant fighting their ancestral cousins. When the Second Star League was announced, the ELH was to become the first unit to join the newly reconstituted SLDF. Participating in Operation Serpent, the invasion of the clan homeworlds, the ELH was the backbone of the task force, and ultimately, the victorious task force. The ELH was tasked with remaining on station in the clan homeworlds as representatives of the Star League. One regiment stayed behind, while the remaining two regiments returned to the inner sphere to reconstitute their losses sustained in Task Force Serpent. It is important to note that at the conclusion of Task Force Serpent, the ELH had an influx of new recruits, which resulted in the formation of the 19th Cavalry Regiment, in honor of their sister regiment which had been destroyed during the fall of the original Star League. When the second Star League dissolved and the World of Blake Jihad began, the three regiments in the Inner Sphere fought in the battles across the universe to slow the word of Blake. The Jihad would ultimately break the Aerodendi Light Horse regiments. The lone regiment that had remained in the Clan Homeworlds was absorbed by Clan Goliath Scorpion when they had no way to return to the Inner Sphere in the chaos of the Jihad. Throughout the Dark Ages, there were several splinter mercenary units claiming to be the various units of the ELH, and it wasn't until Julian Davian, first Prince of the Federated Sons, pulled them all together and made them an offer to reform the regiments that the various commanders began working together again as a unified force. And that is a brief of what the Aerodendi Light Horse is currently on their history. Man, that Julian, what a good guy. He's such like, a great guy, like isn't he? Executor. <laughs> yeah. I, I think they're, they're a really interesting unit, Ben. Uh, I think especially because of the decisions that they made, like, for instance, when the Exodus happened and the majority of of the uh the four regiments decided not to follow uh general Kerensky out uh and then on the on the kind of the back end of that when the clans show up and they decide again not to go not to like uh fight with them but fight against them so kind of two really interesting decisions in their history um that i think are kind of differentiate them from any other unit uh out there i think that kind of goes in line with their original decision not to join the Exodus, uh, to stay and f- to, to choose to fight against the clans when they return. That's kind of, in, from my point of view, uh, a one-on-one in line with the original decision to not go. Uh, so, what's that word? Disappointing. <laughs> John has a different opinion. That's good. Opinion, John. Mm-hmm. I mean... This is a hot take. When Father Kerensky says it's time to leave, it's time to leave. <laughs> it, you don't buck the father. It was a direct order. That's so, right. yeah, this this would be going against orders. It was more of a and question than to, an order, you know, like a request, right? Become cell swords. You know, it's just an insult to injury. Well, it's, it's interesting in their history where, you know, they were stationed in the Draconis Combine for so much of the 
after the exodus prior to the first succession war kind of thing. And then there was a bunch of stuff that happened to them um, where their dependents got taken hostage and in the Dragonus combine and they went to war with the combine. It was very eerily similar to, you know, the Wolf's Dragoons of the fourth succession war. Um, and then they decided to leave Draconis Combine space and they made a deal with the Free World League saying, hey, you give us a safe world where our dependents can not be bothered and kind of leave us alone and we'll help out, you know. So they became kind of the the backbone, I guess you would, of the Free World League militia in the First Succession War. And then they had to take a little trip and and have a little, you know, come to come to Kerensky moment. Uh, amongst themselves of be actually becoming mercenaries and and getting paid for doing what they were doing. So that was kind of an interesting little tidbit. Well, that kind of also, like when you describe it that way, also reminds me of for for recent lore um, when the Wolf Empire was moving from its former location to its current location, um, and they had the entire wolf empire and all the dependents and everything else loaded up on all these uh drop ships jump ships this that and the other and the uh house steiner was essentially just holding them hostage so that, like history kind of repeats itself in a, in a sense not necessarily for like the same people per se but um it has that same kind of vibe to it where it's like yeah you're holding this entire population's dependence hostage to get what you want um, and try and, you know. Yeah. I don't feel like that has ever once worked out in Battletech history. It really doesn't. And it's happened it multiple really times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Multiple times, yeah. And that's like the, the, the current, like, the current hmm. timeline-wise uh, example of it was with the Wolf Empire. Um, I still need to finish Empire alone. Um. Yeah, I'm way behind. Man, that Alaric, such a cool guy. So hot right now. Well, he is the Ilkhan, but, you know. <laughs> uh, so, moving on into, uh, what's that, tactics? Yeah, so, uh, in this additional part of the brief, the tactics of the ELH, or the Aerodany Light Horse. Uh, the three regiments have varying tactics they use, depending on the situation. For the 71st Light Horse, uh, the main tactic is speed, striking quickly, fading away, unsettling, unsettling their opponents with, you know, just some some TMM3 and TMM4. Their, uh, yep. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, the 151st is mainly a defensive regiment, having the responsibility for protecting the unit's dependents. It has developed some highly unorthodox, unorthodox tactics in the defense. And we'll leave that up to you to kind of come up with what those unorthodox tactics are. The 21st Striker Regiment has no preferred tactic, choosing to rely rely on any lack of any coherent plan to confuse and bewilder the anarchists. I can I can get behind (laughs) that. I can really get behind that type of tactic because I really don't have. That reminds me of uh, like a picture I've seen once where it's like, you know, the the Germans rely on their on their SOPs and their tactics. And then the Russians do the same. And then the Americans completely ignore their SOPs. Oh, 
Um, all the SOPs, all the tactics which, they've been trained on. The SOPs are like public and everything else, and like everyone has access to them. And so when the enemy sees us not adhering to our SOPs whatsoever, they're just super confused as to what the fuck we're doing. And it's because they're looking for that TO going, hey, because we don't know what we're doing. And if we don't know what we're doing, you don't know what we're doing. And you know what? Now I'm just going to capitalize on this and kill you. Right, right. Um, And the final one, the 19th Cavalry Regiment is unique for a combined arms regiment in that it uses its mechs in a supporting role, corralling the enemy into well-laid infantry traps. Grace and Carlisle would be proud. Yeah, he would. He would. He probably took some notes. If well, when the nineteenth yeah, got right, uh, built, maybe they took after notes. Carlisle, maybe they did take <laughs> notes from from the Great Death. Matt, you had another addition yeah, to that, right? I've just been the looking. Well, it's it's kind of been interesting I, now that you mentioned the crazy, crazy. What was it that the twenty first striker regiment that they just kind of went bonkers everywhere? I was just looking through some of the uh, units that they fielded, the lances, and and some of them are pretty pretty awesome like the cephalo sledgehammers which is the 25th heavy assault company so one of their lances is the stalker the banshee a stalker and a thunderbolt and the other is a Battlemaster warhammer awesome and marauder that's that's just pretty good sledgehammer type deal nice nice um they have yeah it's it's really interesting to kind of delve into a, a unit like this because they've got all the the nicknames for the different battalions like the first armored infantry battalion are called the mighty mites uh, and they've got all the, the infantry along with uh, Cicada, Spider, Spider, and Locust. <laughs> got the nice. Tin Can Company in there. Uh, it's, it's just really fun. Uh, so, yeah, you can tell that they're not, like, relying on one specific uh, unit as much as maybe some other some other uh, regiments or, or mercenary groups. But they definitely have a diversity of things, uh, even in, in just 3025, which is where they're mostly built out with those four regiments. So. Yeah, there you go. Um, their table of organization is is pretty uh, pretty varied. I mean, they've got a long history. You're talking three, almost 400 years in the inner sphere. Um, so it depends on the regiment, their preferred tactics, what they're going to field. And like like you were talking about, Matt, I mean, every every company is kind of built out in, in different eras, different things. So you might see a lot of a lot of weird. Yeah, stuff and they and them. they definitely. Uh, not only do they usually have, you know, a full TONE where they've got uh, uh, all the different companies, including, you know, kind of a, a mixed with mechs and, um, and different combat vehicles, but they definitely do have a quite a bit of aerospace as well. So you see a lot of uh, aerospace lances in each of these companies here. So even in 3025 where aerospace, you know, at least game wise we tend to have it there pretty rarely uh it's definitely present in in the uh, light horse companies yeah and i know some of the research i was doing it it talked about even even their mech lances are, are combined arms well their lances are combined arms they might have two mechs an infantry platoon and a vehicle you know uh for for a lot of their a lot of their units so it's it's a very interesting way of looking at it compared to some of the great houses um and even in the SLDF where you had entire battalions of the same mech. Yeah, it's not, you know? not definitely not that here. When you look through things, it's uh, you get a diverse number of units and, and each one is different than the other. 
So the uh, color scheme that uh, the Aerodini Lighthorse use uh, has always maintained their roots in the SLDF by painting their machines in the Star League colors of olive drab. Each reg regiment has its own insignia painted on their units in addition to the overall ELH symbol. Uh, the addition of the Cameron Star was added after the second Star League was reborn. And uh, I'd be curious to know if that's, that Cameron Star is still on there in the Dark Age or even in the Ilkland era. I've always said the Iridani light horse. It's like you're, <laughs> you're, you're pronouncing it I, as I, I say it Iridani. Um, I know we all... It's because I don't have an Iridani. Iridani light horse. I know... <laughs> Everyone's Redon. got their own weird pronunciations because we just have the letters in a book and, <laughs> and this and the others. So it ends up being everyone's yeah. got their own pronunciations of things. It's it's one of those things I've always uh, enjoyed yeah. debating with people because it's like a, a reader will, will f if he's reading it the name for the first time, he'll sound it out in his head and that's how he'll yeah, always so pronounce it. As opposed to someone who hears it for the first time, yeah, they'll yeah, always that's interesting. That way. I, I I always read that word as Eridani. Same. And I think it was like, oh my gosh, it was a stretch. I feel like that was like a company in like one of the Mass Effect games, or like Eridani, something other. Yeah, because like when I first started reading, um, I, like now I'll say Lyran, right? Um, because that is how it's spelled. Um, right. But yeah, young me, um, not fully paying attention to the letters on the page. <laughs> um I would always hear in my head Lyrian. So I would I would always hear uh, yep. it as Lyrian Commonwealth. Yep. Um and then when I first heard yep. it as so, someone said like either on a podcast or or whatever it was, Lyran, I was like wrong. And then I looked at the book and I was like, "Oh wait. No, I'm wrong. I'm dumb." <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same I'm in the same but, boat, yeah. man. I was always yeah, a Lyrian. I always guy. said Lyrian, and I was like, "Oh, it's it is Lyran because that's what the letters are." <laughs> I'm I'm dumb, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I've I've always yeah, heard okay and read it as Iridani, Iridani light horse, but that's just me. Now, now Ben, we're yeah. we're covering this because there happens to be a uh, a new pack coming out here soon bear, or bear, bear. About to hit shelves um which has one of your faves in it the old sad it does it does yes so that i know i've seen some posts on facebook that people are starting to get the elh uh mech packs that are coming out and uh that's one of the i'm not a huge elh fan i never have been but They've got a lot of decent mechs in that little mech pack. I mean, the Sagittarius obviously is is a huge one for me. Um, they got a Cyclops, a Banshee, and the Jumpy Thunderbolt. Else. I can't remember what it is. That's what it was. Yep, that was a yep. really heavy uh, lance, beefy. Yeah, and I think they called it a reconnaissance. Uh, How is that lance. recon? <laughs> no, it's, no, it's a hunter lance, they, and I don't know what they're hunting. It's a it's a leery it's a Lyrian <laughs> recon lance. <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, you see what I did uh, there, huh? That's pretty yeah. good. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. So uh, I know my sources for this were uh, a little bit of Sarna, um, the Comstar Field Manual, and the Aerodany Light Horse Chronicles novels, series of novels. So, um, Matt, what did you have for, for sources well, I was, on I was that? just cruising through the, the old... Uh, list of companies it was just sarna um 
Sarna and okay. my friend Ben. He knows it all, so I rely on him. <laughs> I do not. I do not. But I just got to put on a good show. So this concludes the uh, the S2 briefing for this month. Uh, join us next month when we cover another unit. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> TBD. Oh, suspense. Who will it be? All right. I guess that moves us into um, news from the neighborhood um, where we talk about regular game days in the neighborhood you just need to pre-record this yeah this this one's changing a little bit so it's a little different uh tuesday nights at uh, i think it's about six ish p.m it's the evening at wizard's chest in denver uh your point of contact is gonna be greg on the colorado discord um colorado battletech discord server uh wednesday nights at 6 p.m and Foco and Matt's, the Northman's Battletech Basement. Whoop. That's your guy. We call it the Battletech Bunker. Battletech I am. Bunker. That's Battletech a Bunker. much better name than Battletech Ooh. Basement. Yeah, it like is it. Now, you're, it's now the Battletech Bunker. Yeah. Um, Board Fox Games, Wednesday nights in Grand Junction. Matt might be able to give us more on that relatively soon, Trader. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Friday night. Fights at Hobbytown Westminster, obviously, on Fridays, starting at 5.30 p.m. Includes Alphastrike and Classic Battletech. Get with Matt, Ben, or John. Yeah. Hey, yo. Gamers Haven, Saturdays, here in Colorado Springs, 6 p.m. until close. If not later, sometimes question mark secret games that happen secret after hours. games that happen after the doors close petrie's games colorado springs every third saturday of the month from 2 p.m until it's over um and mega mech which is Play some mega mech people yeah pc based because it's only on pc uh local slash mrc get in touch with matt if you guys want to play Mega Mech in touch with me, we'll work it out. It's easy because then we can play almost whenever. So it'd be good. Figure it out. Upcoming action. Battlefronts, fourth succession wars. Matt and John, speak your bit. Yeah. So we're uh we're putting John and I are putting on an event at uh Hobbytown Westminster on the eighteenth of February. So that is two weeks from today, which will be a couple days till you hear this. So uh, if you guys want to come experience some four succession wars, it'll be awesome. You can pick one side or the other. If you want to be the good guys, you can be with the Capellans, the Free Worlds League. No. Oh, hot what? take. Okay. <laughs> you can you can, uh, you can play on one side or the other. So we're playing. You're about uh, to pants me into a heart attack over here, man. That was awesome. Jeez Louise. Uh, because I'm going to be playing Capellans, so we're obviously going to be the good guys. Um, yeah, so basically, oh, geez. basic facts, so uh, the Hobbytown Westminster starting around 10.30 a.m., 11 for the Alpha Strike side. It'll be really fun. People are going to be paired up, uh, one Alpha Strike and one Classic player, uh, and uh, your you do in your game will influence your partner and vice versa. So it should be a lot of fun. You'll It's kind of narrative, but uh, it takes... Somewhat from the WolfNet AS350 scenarios and kind of modifies them um, in a couple of ways. We have a kind of some 
some general details out in a packet that I put out earlier today, both on the Discord and on the Colorado Facebook or Colorado BattleTech Facebook page. Um, what am I? What am I missing here? And if you are a new player, or you want to bring a new player, or a friend that's interested, we're going to have some loner armies as well. Uh, everything set up. So the idea is that we're going to be pretty beginner friendly, but still have some narrative elements. Kind of get the fun for all crowds and just come out and shoot the breeze and exactly. play some battle yep. tech. Well, this will right? be kind of a uh, battlefronts is going to going to be a. Uh, uh, rotating thing where we're going to go through the different eras. You get to experience the different units in the eras, as well as kind of the conflicts between the large factions or or really important players in those eras. So come out, have fun. We'll have loner armies. Just get in touch with us, and we, we can get you those. So back to Mike. Genghis Khan. Uh, there will be an Alpha Strike 350 tournament uh, at Genghis Khan on run by David at February 26th. David couldn't join us today because he's sick. Capellans. Yeah, blame the Capellans for his sickness. Um, no! Biological warfare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, there should be an Alpha Strike 350 tournament at Genghis Khan on February 26th. I believe last I checked, there was approximately 11 slots left out of the 24. So there should be 13 currently signed up so far um and then you doing well? oh, and then february 27th there should be a four-player campaign event raid on butte hold that would be greg get in touch with him on the colorado discord um all events are free with a con admission uh which is 66 dollars for the weekend or 40 to 45 depending on the day for a single day badge um anyone else got any upcoming action to note um i am working on putting together a test tournament for classic um i'm looking to get the rule set out in march and we're going to run it up here in denver on uh probably during friday night fights just to see how it plays out um kind of a an, an upgraded take on the old martial olympiad tournament for oh, right on. so uh trying to get the rules set out in march and then we'll probably look at running it in april may june-ish time frame. yeah i know you've been wanting to get something going on in that regard um so hell yeah mm-hmm. um any other upcoming action to note nope just keep playing games people we're we're uh we're putting on a good number of events mm-hmm. so it should be lots of opportunities and lots of people to play with so keep on playing keep on playing keep overriding your reactor safeties override yeah. shut down always always all right always so um let's brings us into shout outs let's start it off with john for the shout outs um, yeah, well, I already shouted out to the Virginian crew for hosting me. Um, so thanks again to them, uh, Hansel, Chuck, Stocky, and Toby, and Battlegrounds Midlothian. And then for the Colorado side, I want to shout out Alex for coming in second at uh, LVO. And best painted. And uh, Oh, that's good? Nice. And Max Legaro for kicking my ass at Friday Night <laughs> Fights this past week. <laughs> Our combined <laughs> asses he kicked. And Ben, how about you? Uh, my shout out uh, this month is going to go to Catalyst for uh, getting, giving some good prize support for LVO. That prize support was dope. Um, it was. It was. It was pretty fantastic. Um, we ended up with three of the new 
lance packs from the mercenaries uh one pack of elh one pack of Kellhounds, and one pack of hansen's rough riders we also had six packs of the new cardboard counters that are going to be hitting the shelves here soon i believe and then 40 freaking salvage boxes so big kudos to catalyst for uh getting us that prize prize support for lvo all right, Matt. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say ditto to Catalyst. Uh, it's great uh, to see those those packs hitting people's pockets, kind of. Um, but also uh, the Wolfnet crew for putting on the L- LVO um, Alpha Strike tournament just was fantastic to meet them. And uh, I know they put tons of work into to getting that tournament going. You know, Andrew, Aaron, Tommy was there. Charles was there. You know they they've all worked really hard on the the rule set and uh, especially at putting this event together here out in the west, which is has been unique so far. So you know super kudos to them. Shout out to them. Um, and just I already shouted out all my opponents, but thank you for beating me down repeatedly because you know I need to be humbled, I guess. Uh, but no. Thank you, everyone that I met at LVO, and and uh, had a great time there, and, and uh, really thankful I was able to go. So there you go. Oh, I got one save round. What? Send it. I'm going to give a shout-out Topa, man. Topa. Uh, Topa. Topa. Topa kind of stepped into the breach and uh, ran the first day of the BTCC, um, and uh, he's trying to uh, wrangle that dog. So a big, big shout-out to him to uh, take on that task and, and really just – uh, try and make the best event he could. You know, it's true. We have a lot of time to do it later. Nope. And then for me, um, I'll just double tap, you know, all my opponents, Luke Rolfs, Max, Paolo, uh, Topa, and Bradley Prophet. Great games all around. The Wolfnet crew for building the, uh, the rule set, the tournament, driving the community. I just appreciate everything you guys have done. Um, I think we have one of the best communities out there. I think Andrew has said it multiple times while we were there, but he is absolutely right in, in everything he said. We have the best community tabletop gaming wise, um, and it's just getting better as it grows. Um, so um, that's my general shout out, WRP, everyone I played, Catalyst for opening up the uh the vault what was that <laughs> opening up, up the, the vault. vault to the the goodies um because whew, i may not have got one but man they were good <laughs> exactly and and hashtag justice for hansen right right ben that's right hashtag justice for Hansons. <laughs> uh but no super super awesome time had lots of fun i hope all all of us can get to gen con myself included because i don't even know if i can go we know ben's going but you know yep I'll be there. We'll see what happens. You know, any other closing remarks? Thanks for listening, everyone. Always, always uh, fun to meet a listener and uh, talk to you. I know Phil and Jesse mentioned they listen. So, hey, thanks for listening, guys, as we babble on. Jesse, you're in every server and you randomly showed up in our hotel room as I was painting. You're just a sneaky motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess there's nothing else. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your day, night whatever time of day you're listening to us work on that pile of shame. We'll see you on the next episode. Uh, last call, last call, last call. That's right. Don't have to go home, but you don't have to stay here. That's oh, right. Wait, no, I messed it up. You don't Jeez. have to go home, but you can't stay here. <laughs> Thanks everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night. 
Thanks for joining us today in the Valhalla Club. Special thanks to our sponsor, Ares Games and Miniatures. Ares is the premier online retailer for all your Battletech needs. You can contact us at the Valhalla Club at Outlook.com. If you are in Colorado, please join your local community group on Facebook and Discord. If you are able to help support your local Colorado Battletech community, subscribe on Patreon to Colorado Battletech. This Patreon account is used to supply prize support for local events and assist in venue costs. Links for the Valhalla Club Discord, the Colorado Battletech Patreon, and Facebook group are in the show notes. Until next time, mech fans. 